0: For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
2: every
1: day Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network your teams every day I am your host and founder of bricktownbuckets.com Ryland Styles. you can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lothunderpod. Email the show, Lothunderpod at gmail.com. Call into the show, for 362 7128 On this special Saturday edition of Locked on Thunder, we're going to dive into the Hamadou Diallo trade and recap the game against the New York Knicks. So let's start with the Diallo trade. The news broke on Friday night that the Thunder were going to kick off this trade deadline period by dealing Hamidou Diallo to the Detroit Pistons for Shemakai Luke and a 2027 second round pick. Well, the first thing about this trade is that for number one, no player on this current team for the Oklahoma City Thunder has played with Russell Westbrook. That is. Something that, for whatever the reason, got me all feeling emotional yesterday. I mean, the rest of Westbrook era, the remnants of Westbrook in terms of what's on the floor, on the roster, uh, is gone. I mean, it, that chapter is officially closed. Of course, never going to be forgotten, but it is closed. And now, I mean, Diallo entered this year as the longest-tenured player, and now the longest-tenured Thunder player is Darius Baisley, because I mean, he was acquired on draft night, and then of course, all the returners last year from from last year's team, SGA, Dort. I mean, Muscala's on the list for now, but he's not playing anymore, and so would you be surprised if he's traded? I wouldn't. That's another guy gone that, that had some sort of continuity. This roster turnover has been massive. It's just kind of jaw-dropping to realize that Shea and Dort and Basley and those are your longest tenured players right now. Uh, of course, Diallo was a restricted free agent. He's had a breakout season at this point. He's only 22 years old, but if he can't shoot, and you know, maybe Sam Presley thinks it's this is kind of a fool's gold type of year, but he goes with Troy Reaver in Detroit, who has known Diallo very well, working in that Thunderfront office. I, I was bullish on Diallo before the season started, and a lot of fans were all out on Diallo. Diallo's played really well this year. At the end of the day, this trade makes you worse. You are worse today because of this trade than you were last week when you had Diallo on this team. It's clear what the motivation is. The Motivation is to lose games and to make this team worse. Now, if in the process you get assets in in turn, that's all well and good. But they're trying to be worse for this specific season. I I will say that it was also kind of typical that the Thunder did not re-sign Diallo as soon as possible and therefore now he's gone and not in part of the long-term plans. They've kind of operated that way in general. I, I don't think the return is anything. Honestly, I mean, I, I as a Kansas fan, love Svi. I, I loved watching him in college. I love, I uh, just the kind of player he is. But at the end of the day, he's 23, almost 24 years old, and has one valuable trait, which is very valuable. It's his shooting. We'll get to Svi in a little bit. But this move makes you worse. There's no sugarcoating this. There's no if-ands or buts that this team that this move makes you worse, and therefore this has to signal more and more trades, right? Because in a vacuum, just looking at this one trade, you cannot deny the fact that you got worse today by trading Diallo, who's been a very valuable spark plug off that bench for the Thunder, especially in this season. So beyond that, you you can't just make one move. Now you've got to trade George Hill. Now you've got to trade all these other peripheral pieces. Mike Muscala, who we'll talk about in a little bit. The floodgates are going to open, so buckle up. If, If you do not want this team to trade or make moves, Get ready, because it's going to happen after you make this first domino fall in Hamadou Diallo. The floodgates are going to open. And with Sfi, you trade for a guy who's on an expiring deal with just a qualifying offer attached to him. I don't expect the Thunder to re-sign him. I, I think that if we if we were going to see that, we'd see that relatively early on in this in his tenure with Oklahoma City. As that trade get made official uh, this afternoon right after the next game, it's made official. I don't think it'll happen. I don't think that she's part of the big plan here. I think that we can take away from this from this trade is that the ideology has changed for Oklahoma City. It won't be because of Shvi in general. Like it won't be Shvi who's the one that is a part of this future. But moving forward, the plan is now to get shooters around Shea and to get more modern players. I think that gone are the days of getting these Diallo type hyper athletes who can't shoot or these good defending wings that can't shoot. And now you're looking for versatility. You're looking for shooting. And Svi brings you that shooting. We can talk about Svi right now. Again, I don't think he's part of the big term, you know, the long-term plan. But I do think that the Thunder will try to exhaust whatever they can from him and give him that opportunity to prove me wrong and prove others wrong who are saying the same thing. With Svi, a lot of people think that, you know, whenever they hear, oh, he's a shooter, then they go look at basketball reference and he's shooting 33% right now. They, they think that, you know, that, that kind of regressed or is not as as good of a shooter as people hype him up to be. No, is a really, really good shooter. Again, is the upside there? I don't think so. He's 23 almost 24 and can literally not do anything else but shoot. However, I expect his shooting numbers to go much higher than 33% on this thunder team because you're going to put him in a, in a system in which we've seen for half a season. Now Mark Dignot's offense generate great looks and get shooters open. You're going to put him next to SGA, who we've seen be an elite drive-and-kick guy and set up his teammates, and his teammates don't come through for him. I think Shafi can come through for him. While I don't think that this is going to be a, a piece of the puzzle, right, I don't, I don't think that Shafi will be a piece of the puzzle in 2025, but for the current iteration of this team, which was we saw against the Knicks, is going to get a lot worse from here on out, and it's going to lose quite a few games from here on out. In terms of watchability, at least having Shea being able to drive-and-kick to Shafi will be at least entertaining for the rest of this year. Again, if, if Shvi is going to be a part of this future, I expect the Thunder to lock him up relatively quickly, even before the offseason. If it gets to the offseason and the Thunder still have not locked up Shvi, I, I don't really think that he's going to be a part of the plans. But don't be fooled by the 33% shooting. He can shoot, and he's going to show that in Oklahoma City. Yeah, he's shooting 33% right now, but last year he shot 40% in I think he'll be able to come into his zone in Oklahoma City as a, in general, shooter in terms of percentages. But again, I, I don't see anything past that. I think that this move got you worse. Now, the 2027 second-round pick is an asset, and it's an asset in many a ways, right? Second-round picks in general use as sweeteners a lot, uh, and they're more valuable as sweeteners than people give it credit for. You, you can throw out the example of Tail Maldon or even Diallo, who, who has a second-round pick. Diallo's had a heck of a career. He's been a contributor on playoff teams and was a contributor today, not today, but this season for the Thunder and will be a contributor for the the Pistons. He's a contributing player. That is rare for a second round pick to pan out that way. You got these success stories and the Thunder are really good at finding those second round picks who can pan out. So just the pick itself is pretty valuable. And if history tells us anything in 2027, the Pistons will not be good. Therefore, you're going to have a top half of the second round pick with this 2027 pick, which is a really good thing for Oklahoma City. But it's also going to be able to be used as a sweetener if it, if you want to trade. Let's let's say 2023 rolls around and this team's good and wants to add a George Hill-type player. Look, this this trade deadline, I expect George Hill to go for, what, two second-round picks? I mean, that, that would be an acceptable offer. If you compile these second-round picks, just as you're compiling first-round picks, it can be the difference in getting you a veteran guy like George Hill at the deadline whenever you're in a season in which you want to compete. So second-round picks do have more value than, than some people believe. I understand that this is a, a tough move to, to make and, and Diallo has done a, a great job in Oklahoma City and he's kind of he's gotten himself to be a fan favorite. I also think that it does a lot for this locker room because a lot of these guys were very close with Diallo, especially the young guys were very close with Diallo. But it was a move that had to be made. It's a move that there's no ifs, ands, or buts made you worse. While you're getting the shooting with Sfi with that you didn't have with with Diallo, you're losing so much more like a, like a really good defender that Diallo was. You're missing the versatility that Diallo had even this year, showing you that he can be a little bit of a, of a second group point guard at times. You're missing the rebounding. You're missing everything that, that Diallo brings to the table beyond shooting. Again, I'm a Kansas fan. I love She, but this made the Thunder worse, and it cannot end here, and it won't end here, so just get ready. Coming up, we're going to recap the game against the New York Knicks and talk all about Moses Brown, Poku, and everyone else involved, including Mike Muscala,
2: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: We are back on Locked On Thunder on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your teams every day. So with this New York game, look, you have to start with the game overview, which tells the entire story pretty much. The Thunder were without SGA, who had a leg contusion, you know, quad injury. The Thunder were without Darius Baisley, who had a shoulder contusion. The Thunder were without George Hill, who had a thumb injury. There were that three starters in this game, of course, of, without Diallo uh, with the groin injury, but also due to the trade, and of course, Trevor Reese is still at home. The Thunder were without three of their starters, their two-way guy, Josh Hall, that has some promise, and a valuable bench piece in Diallo. And yet, this game was competitive. Do not let the final score you know, kind of mislead you. This game was competitive. It was, it was a fun game. It, it got really bad at the end of the fourth, but besides that, it was a close game. was not a blowout by any means, even though the score kind of dictates that. The Thunder starting lineup was Teo Maldon, Lou Dort, Alexei Pokashevsky, Isaiah Roby, and Al Horford. Of this group, of the starters, Al Horford is the only player in this starting lineup to play 82 games or more. Of course, he's played well beyond that. But the next closest is Lou Dort, who entering tonight played 72 NBA games. And the two-way rule change really helped the Thunder a lot because you know, if you didn't hear, the, the rules changed to where not only can 2A players now uh, be in the playoffs and play in the playoffs, which is a big deal because remember last year before the bubble, the Thunder had to re-sign or, or convert over Lou Dort's contract to be eligible for the postseason. He had to be on a full-time NBA deal. That's not the case in this year's season. And also, there's no longer a limit of how many games, which used to be 50 entering this year, um, of how many games that 2A guys can play. So most Brown and Josh Hall, whenever he's healthy, they can play all the games they want to for the rest of the season. And Moses Brown got a ton of action today. Moses Brown was an impactful player, and and he brings something different to the Thunder. They they don't have the size that Brown presents. In this game, he has a solid nine points, nine rebounds, seven of which come on the defensive end. He has a steal, a block, uh, including, you know, that block was just massive against Obi Toppin, who tried to posterize him. But but Brown's a solid little player. I mean, this is what this second half is going to be about. And And you saw that, right? This team is made worse by the decision not to play Mike Muscala. If Mike Muscala plays in this game the way that this game was like a seven-point game in the early stages of the fourth quarter, if Muscala is is there to help this offense whenever it started to sputter, if he was playing, this game would probably go dramatically different, right? But but that's not what this is about. They don't want to play guys like Muscala who don't really have upside. They want to play guys who have this immense upside. And that's why you're, you're exhausting Moses Brown for 29 minutes the other night and 26 minutes tonight. And you're playing him a lot since the bubble. You're playing you know, Williams a lot, and you're playing Jerome a lot. And, and really, of that group, somebody had to step up because of the injuries, and they picked Justin Jackson. Why they pick Justin Jackson outside of you know Mike Muscala or Darius Miller, especially Muscala who's been much better than Justin Jackson this year. They picked Justin Jackson because while like fee he might not have a ton more upside, but at twenty at twenty five years old, but he has more upside than Mike Muscala. So you, you can try to figure that out, or or kind of just squeeze any bit of upside or or potential you can. You want to exhaust all your resources and leave no stern, stone unturned heading into this offseason when this team will have a lot of difficult decisions to make. So that's why you're not seeing Muscala play. He's not hurt. He's a DNP coach's decision. And they're just going with the youth movement. That's what this rest of the year is going to be all about, is, is trying to figure out which young guys are full-time or, or long-term pieces. And we know Muscala's not one of those pieces. And so I, I think that you're going to see a Mike Muscala trade because I I don't know why he would want to sit on the bench and not play, especially with the season he's had. Look, he's had a phenomenal year. He's had a year in which a lot of contending teams, if not all contending teams, should want him should should want him to be a bench contributor who, even if he cannot crack your playoff rotation, can at least help you enough to where in the playoffs, if he's not in your normal rotation. If you get down by 10 points and you need a real a real spark from beyond the air and score quickly, you throw in Mike Muscala out there who's played serviceable enough defense. And on the offensive end, it's just a spot-up shooter that can drain it. So if you can create some space for him in the half-court set, he's a very valuable piece. I, I, I don't think that it's that complicated with Mike Muscala. That's why he's not playing. And I hope for him he gets to get on that contending team and gets to try to win a championship. He's done everything right in Oklahoma City since he's been here. He's loved Oklahoma City, and I really wish him the best, but that's why you're not seeing him play right now because they want to try out Justin Jackson and Ty Jerome and Moses Brown and Kendrick Williams more minutes and Isaiah Roby more minutes. Look, the roster crunch is going to come next offseason with all these draft picks going to enter the mix, plus the locks for the roster we went through this last week. You need to make sure you know what every player is capable of. That's why you see you know, a lineup that, that – puts Roby at the four, which I've been clamoring for all year long on Locked on Thunder to put him at the four. You saw that today. They want to make sure that they've evaluated everyone properly and the best that they can. And they're doing that by cutting out these veterans who they know kind of what they are. By the way, we mentioned the injuries earlier about, you know, SGA not playing and Basley not playing, etc. But they were amazing teammates in this game. I mean, they gave a ton of effort and they gave a ton of energy from the sidelines to kind of boost the team. And with no fans, you've heard players complain or not complain, but like mention that you know it is hard to get jacked up every single possession and get locked in and focused. And with that intensity that you otherwise would have, if you had a full stadium doing the defense chance and and giving you that, that life and that rejuvenation, and it doesn't just fall flat, like you're playing pickup. And so seeing SGA literally not sit down, I cannot remember a single time in which the Thunder were on that side of the floor, and SGA was on the bench and literally sitting down. He was always standing up, always cheering his teammates, and George Hill was into it. Bazley was into it. That helps your team in so many ways, and you're just seeing kind of the the chemistry or continuity of this team come together and how much of these guys care about each other, and that was fun to watch for as well. In this game, Poku took more shots, you know, the most shots of anyone on the team and had the least amount of points. He's going to have the confidence. He's going to take those shots. He was in the starting lineup today you got to live with it. He's a young player. He's going to learn from this. He's going to develop and eventually get where the Thunder want him to be. But, again, you're going to have nights like this where it feels like a setback, where it feels like kind of a frustration uh, to watch him play. You're also going to have nights where it's incredibly fun, like it was against Dallas. Like you're going to have both of them for the rest of the year, and probably for the next two or three years, you're going to have that inconsistent play. But Poku shows flashes in every game. I mean, there's some, there were some great passes tonight that just left you jaw drop like that early stages one where he just flings it up high in the sky, it lollipops over Lou Dort somehow, and whenever the ball gets thrown in the air, I'm thinking, what is he trying to do? Was that an alley-oop to somebody? Where is he throwing that ball to? And then boom, it just lands perfectly with Lou Dort. He has kind of that it factor a little bit to where you just have to stay with him and see what he can turn into. We all knew this was going to be a long-term project, so you can't get down on Poku after a bad game like this where, you know, he didn't do a ton of things, right? But there were still some some takeaways from this one. I know the scoreboard looks a lot worse than, than what this game actually was. But remember, this was a really close game. And in that first quarter, the offense was clicking. Here's an offense that doesn't have three of their starters and doesn't have a few key contributors. And they post 31 points in the best defense in the NBA, in the New York Knicks, with a ragtag group of guys. Mark Degnot is a phenomenal coach. And he is the very best coach in Thunder history, and I just cannot wait to see this team at, at full strength after you go get that kind of Cade Cunningham-like player and pair him with the roster that Thunder have. And this roster has very interesting pieces, and in this game, you, know, you were in it in the fourth quarter, and all in all, the Thunder made eight threes. You cannot win very many games in the modern NBA whenever you only make eight of your threes. But I do want to talk about Lou Dort, kind of taking on that point guard role a bit. Ty Jerome was awesome. And then Kenny Hustle as well. And then we're going to recap it with the bet of the day outcome and the Moneyball outcome all coming up in the Locked on Thunder podcast.
2: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: We are back on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. And I want to start this last segment by talking about the big deal in this game, Lou Dort and his point guard. Minutes and he performed well in it. I mean, he, he performed well with the ball in his hands, and again gives you that glimpse of even as he's starting to turn the corner as a three point shooter. And you're seeing defenses really respect him and close out on him in this game. He can do more than that, right? He can do more than defend. He can do more than shoot at a average to below average level. He can put the ball in the deck. He can drive. He can get to the line. And tonight he got to the line ten times. He went ten for ten from the free throw line. Of course, he goes 0 for 3 from beyond the arc, but he doesn't have the same spacing he typically did or typically does whenever SGA plays. All in all, he goes 2 for 9 from the floor, but again, getting to the line, that that, that 10 attempts from the line is the difference maker for his 14-point outing. He also gives you 6 rebounds, 5 assists, and you're seeing why he is so valuable to the future of this team, not only for the winning plays he makes in the defensive effort and the defensive end, but because he fits the mold of that versatile player that Mark not once. And so I love seeing that from Lou Dorp. Isaiah, were we playing that four? I thought it looked good. You know, There was some questions about his athleticism or if he can keep up with NBA fours. I thought he did a good job, a good enough job where he's not really getting exposed any more than he does at the five position on defense. He gets you a block, a steal, three assists, a rebound, 10 points. He had a really good game. I mean, he goes 0 for 2 from beyond the arc. You'd like to see a couple of those fall. But again, as a team, they only saw eight fall. So, you know, can't really point out a lot of single people, you know, single person, individual performances from beyond the arc, in general. Tayo Maldon again just looked in control. He looked in control. This is I'm I'm convinced that he's a 50 year old basketball player. He has such a a brilliant IQ for being 19 years old. In this game, he goes for four rebounds, three assists, 10 points. He did have the five turnovers. That's going to happen as you kind of feel alone out there. And, and there were a little bit of moments where you saw like kind of a, the game get too fast whenever they were trying to push the pace a bit in that second quarter. But in general, without having that safety net of SGA, because typically, Taylor's been sharing the floor in this recent stretch here without George Hill with SGA to where you know if you get into some some trouble, you got a guy to to bail you out in SGA. You can give him, give him the ball right back to him and let him reset everything and try it all again. And this game, especially with Dort being staggered against him to where he's kind of all alone out there as the true true point guard type role, he didn't have that safety net. There were some moments where it kind of was pretty obvious he didn't have that safety net and kind of it was clicking in his mind that it was all on him. But in general, if you take the totality of the game, he still played wise beyond his years for a 19-year-old. He made some brilliant passes. He turned the defense around multiple times. And he has a knack for getting to a spot on the floor where he wants to take his shot, and making sure he gets his shot, and not just a shot, which is so valuable for his game moving forward. But it's time now to talk about the MVP of this game.
2: MVP, MVP, MVP. MVP right now. You the
1: real MVP. MVP, MVP, MVP. The MVP of this game for the Oklahoma City Thunder is Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome goes two for six from beyond the arc. He gets 11 points. He has five assists and five rebounds. Jerome shows you why he is going to be a part of this future. Not only is Ty Jerome a 23-year-old, but he's also on an amazing contract in which he gets paid $2.4 million in 2021-22. And then in 22-23, he has a club option for $4.3 million or $4.2 million. And then the qualifying offer hits In 23, 24, he, his contract makes a lot of sense. His play style makes a lot of sense. Again, here's a shooter that can space the floor, but also a versatile guy who can make some things happen with the ball in his hands in a pinch. Much like we all knew way back when, as, as recently as a couple years ago, this last iteration of the Thunder were built with guys who were long, athletic defenders that can't shoot. That was the joke the entire time, Right. Now you have to switch that mindset into look for guys who can shoot and who can do multiple things. And Ty Jerome is very versatile and can do multiple things and especially can shoot. He's going to be a part of this team moving forward. And he showed that again today where he can contribute in multiple ways and he's not just some shooter. The way that I think that Svi is just a shooter in general and can't do much more than that. It will be fun moving forward. The Thunder will do this all over again at 1 p.m. against the Memphis Grizzlies tomorrow. So we'll be back after that game as well for the Monday edition of Locked on Thunder. We go now to the bet of the day outcome. I had New York minus four that obviously cashed in and the moneyball outcome. I had tail Maldon and he was one of multiple Thunder players to hit two threes to tie for the team high. It was out Horford tail Maldon and Ty Jerome, as well as Justin Jackson. So if you've had any of those for the Moneyball Outcome pick, you were right on the money. Let me know what you think about this game and the Hamadou Diallo trade on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. We'll recap the Sunday game against the Grizzlies on Monday's edition of Locked on Thunder. So tune in anywhere you get your podcast from. Be good and be good to one another.